Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Transplant's Take on Sport. My name's Lewis Daniels and joining me today is liver transplant recipient and footballer Ben Hastings. Ben tells me about how his life suddenly changed when his liver failed, how he regained his fitness after transplant and returning to 11-a-side Saturday League football again. He also talks about how important playing football with other transplant recipients has been mentally for him and his preparation for the European Transplant Games this summer. If you're enjoying the podcast, please make sure you press subscribe or follow wherever you normally listen so you don't miss an episode. And if you'd like to follow the podcast on social media, all the links will be in the show notes. Ben Hastings, welcome to Transplant's Take on Sport. Thanks, thanks for having me. We were just talking beforehand, we've played football before together for the Nottingham Transplant football team, and you went along to trials for Team GB in Northern Ireland, Transplant football for the European Transplant Games this summer, and you're in, so congratulations. Thank you, thank you. We're going to talk more about football and sporting achievements later on, but where do you think that would rank in terms of your greatest sporting moments? I would rank that um, very highly, if not top. It's got to be up there. Representing your country at an international sporting event, you'll be an international footballer. Uh, yeah, 100%. I mean, if you'd have asked me, would I have achieved something like that three years ago when I was in hospital, I said absolutely no chance. So to be uh, sitting here talking to you, telling you that um, I have, is uh, it's a really good feeling. It'd be a, a special moment. And you said there you were in hospital, you had a liver transplant and uh, not long after my kidney transplant, same month. So that's now almost three years ago. And I'm sure we'll come on to that more later in the podcast. But to start with, we'll stay on the football theme and we'll go right back to before your transplant. Is football something you've played since you've been very young? Yeah, so football's always first love um, with with sports. I mean, um, I did grow up um, also having an enjoyment in playing rugby, not watching it, just playing it. Um, but always football was uh, first love. And uh, the only sport I was uh, any half decent at. So, what level did you play growing up, and then into adulthood? So yeah, so um, you know, after school, um, didn't play so much. I did quite a lot of uh, five aside and seven aside at university, 
Um, and then after university, coming back here, I did um, joined a Saturday team, 11 aside. And um, yeah, been enjoying that much more recently. What position have you played all the way through? Has that changed? No, I've always been uh, midfield and of course, um, five aside, seven aside. Just, you know, it's not really positional, it's just a lot of running. So um, yeah. yeah. We played together, as I said at the start, and you played midfield in five aside. But as you say, you're up and down. Up and down, yeah. There's, uh, yeah, you don't really get much of a break five side, seven aside. Whereas eleven aside, you can kind of, you know, hold your position when you're tired. <laughs> How close to your transplant were you able to play? Do you notice any sort of drop off in fitness levels the closer you got to that? I actually, so I played in a football tournament, end of season football tournament, eleven aside, um, the day before I got ill, and six weeks after that is when I had my transplant. So. Wow. Um. Yeah, I was. I wasn't the fittest beforehand, but um, as I say, I was uh, looking back at it now. I was actually playing that uh, tournament uh, as my illness started, so I would have been ill playing in that for uh, end of season uh, tournament. So, looking back, do you think that your fitness? I was know you said to yourself they maybe weren't that great, but playing sport regularly. Do you think that helped in maybe recovery afterwards from your transplant? Oh, 100%. Um, I think, obviously, um, playing um, back then, I don't think you really notice how unfit you are. You just play, you get through it. Um, whereas post-transplant, not being off your feet for so while, you definitely notice and have a feel for where your fitness is post-transplant playing football. A lot of people have said that, and it shows how, how powerful and how important sport and exercise can be in recovery from any surgery, really, not just transplant surgery. There are people listening to this who've had all the other surgeries done, and yeah, it's, it's big. I'd agree, I'd agree, I'd agree. The reason why my recovery has gone so well, touch wood, I think a massive part of that has been getting back, playing sports, getting active. Let's move on to your liver transplant and your, your illness. When did you find out that there was something wrong with your liver? Oh, so um, I got ill. And it snowballed then from there. So from the date that I got ill to the point of needing a liver transplant was six to eight weeks. And I probably didn't really understand that I needed a liver transplant till two weeks before I actually had it done. It's it's, it's a lot. I know we've, we're going to come on to it more. We've spoken beforehand. It's a, it's a lot that you went through in a short space of time. Do you know what actually caused your liver to fail? No, so um, my diagnosis actually means uh, negative for everything they know about medically that could cause liver failure, but my liver was failing and very um, rapidly. It was a very aggressive, um, they put it down to like an infection, um, an aggressive infection that just, um, yeah, within about six weeks killed my liver. I know, knew what caused my kidney to fail, but I don't know if it'd be, it's, it's, I would sometimes feel, not guilt, but what could I have done to to stop this illness? And I know it, I know that the answer is nothing because it would have happened anyway. Yeah. But not knowing a cause, how how do you take that emotionally, especially at the time? So yeah, um, at the time um, when I got discharged out of hospital, there was a quite a lot of um, yeah struggling mentally with the whole thing of what happened, and a lot of why me, and a bit of anger, being honest with um, not knowing why or how or, you know, nothing I'd done wrong, sort of, um, 
yeah, state of mind uh, post-op, definitely for a, a good month or so afterwards. Um, yeah, it, it is. Yeah, it's, it's, it, it's tough. I'm not sure if now they could tell me I'd want to know. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm happy with the way um, things have gone and, uh, you know, I'm a... Uh, Everything happens for a reason for me, so I'm happy with the way knowing that um, we don't know what caused it. Yeah, you're past that stage now, and you now you're moving on with yeah. your new liver. Now you said on the inf- on the the sheet that I sent you to help plan for this that at one point you were the fifth most ill person in the UK at your worst. The being yeah. I was just spoken about mindset there. The being told that affect your mindset in any way? It's like a reality check. Yeah, so. Of course, I knew and I could feel how ill I was in hospital, uh, especially when I ended up in intensive care and I was bed bound. Um, I could feel how fragile and ill I was and I knew I was uh, struggling. Um, but when the doctors say to you, um, I got told I only had two weeks left to live um, when I was in intensive care. And I knew that when I was put on the list, that there was only four people in the entire UK that were above me on the list as a priority. Um, that was when it really hit home of how serious it was. It's a, a lot to take for someone. You were 25 at the time, weren't you? It's a lot to take to say you've got two weeks left. It was. It was. Um, anyone going through liver failure will know Um the when your liver fails all the toxins go to your brain and you're in a constant state of confusion um so there was only like certain moments throughout the day where i sort of could think straight and um yeah especially i could feel my body getting weaker and when i heard those words it was like a a big bombshell realization that i'm in a lot of trouble here obviously very urgent for you to find a a liver donor how yeah. long did you have to wait from being told you needed a new liver to actually having the transplant? Hours. So I know I was put on a list at uh, a five o'clock on a Friday and I was having my transplant at 6am on a Saturday. That's the quickest I've ever heard for any transplant. And I've got a feeling it'll take some beating. Yeah, it was Yeah, um, very quick. I can remember the the uh, evening. Um, we know we got put on the list. Parents went home. Um and at about 11 o'clock at night, nurse come bursting through the curtains and was like, tell your parents I need to meet you up in intensive care at like five in the morning because you're having it at six. So, yeah, it was um, great. It was, it was crazy to happen so soon. I don't think anyone was expecting it to happen so soon. I knew how ill I was, but the sort of um, impression you got from the doctors was it could be days, weeks, months. They couldn't say anything for certain, but I wasn't expecting hours. There's no real time to prepare, is there really, either? Because it's so quick. No, no time to prepare. And of course, um, we were still in the dark about everything. We didn't know what had caused it. We just knew how bad it was um, and how urgent I was and how struggling. And it was just a kind of, uh, yeah, everything was uh, up in the air at the time. And uh, everything just happened so quick. It, it just went from me being fit and healthy to me being told I'm having it at six o'clock in the morning was in a space of six to eight weeks. So as you can see, that's quite a quick timeline to uh, to try and digest everything that was happening. You said to me as well, with that one quick time from from one, one thing to the other, and you you were on course for one of the fastest liver transplants there's ever been like in surgery. 
But you've got a, I think, a really cool story about why your surgery took longer than it could have done. Yeah, so um, a liver transplant can take anything from up to like 10 hours, even longer. Um, Massive surgery. Um, Well, because I was so poorly, um, my actual transplant only took two and a half hours. Um, But it took four and a half hours because I have a massive tattoo across my stomach and they spend just as much time doing as my transplant as they did matching up my stomach tattoo to uh, finish off the surgery so yeah they spent about roughly two hours um, matching it all up at the end which I'm forever grateful for. It's a nice touch so uh, you know that they obviously they care because they're saving your life but really care about how you might feel afterwards and making you as comfortable as possible with such a big scar yeah 100 percent. you could tell i mean the the staff the surgeons were all really great throughout and um that was like an added step and you know it was never spoke about it was never thought about it wasn't like i said to them before when you go through the surgery can you um be best with this never spoke about it was completely off their own back and yeah just a sign of how caring and considerate they were and it was uh, massive like um, when I first got to see my scar afterwards, I couldn't have been more happier with um, the outcome. So, yeah. Was it ever on your mind that it might not end up straight again? I'm sure, although you just all you wanted to get the transplant. I'm sure the sort of aesthetic things weren't that high on your mind. But Yeah, to be honest, with how fast paced everything was, it never came into my mind. The fact that they were going to be cutting through the tattoo. Um, it was just... Yeah, I was really ill and I was just fingers crossed that it was all going to yeah. go well. I was thinking about nothing else and just getting through it. And um, it wasn't until afterwards um, when you take your bandages off a bit later on and, you know, you're looking at it and it's like, do you know what? Is absolutely smashed it. Yeah. It, well, you, you showed us at the last football event and it, it's they've definitely pieced it together. Yeah, like two hours matching it up together when um, they could have at that point just, you know, closed it up and have been done with it. Because let's face it, they've just done a liver transplant. Do you know what yeah. I mean? They've just done a massive complex operation and um, they could have closed it off that and, and been done and been happy with the work. And I would have said nothing because I'd have been, you know, I, exactly, I'd have been yeah. happy. Do you know what I mean? Um, but they went above and beyond and spent another two hours um, matching it up, which, yeah, I'll be forever grateful for that. Great story. Did everything go smoothly with the transplant? So, yeah, I had a few complications um, post-op, but in terms of the surgery, other than struggling with the ventilator, it all went well. Is a ventilator a common thing for liver transplants, as far as you're aware? Yeah, so everyone that um, goes under and has a, a liver operation will put on a ventilator. I was put on a ventilator, and, um, yeah, I struggle post-op to come off the ventilator to still breathe by myself um it took about four or five attempts to get me to breathe by myself post-op um but yeah and then i had a couple more complications afterwards but kept me in hospital for uh, another two to three weeks afterwards but after that point um it, it's all been good yeah coming to me now vent is everyone on a ventilator in surgery if they, like, i had a tube down my throat but I, I, again, I'm not, I didn't really ask what it was it was just I didn't I think know it was there. You're put to sleep having your transplant, which I imagine 
everybody is put to sleep yeah. with the transplant then 100 i imagine people are on a ventilator especially because you get put under don't you? you go under anesthetic and then they want to um you know monitor your breathing and stuff um i know 100 i was on a ventilator and um do you know what? i would be surprised if any anyone else from a liver background wasn't on a ventilator going through um or something surgery like that i might be confusing it with a tracheostomy where it's going through your neck Rather than the one down your throat. Down your throat. Obviously, where there's been a podcast, can't show you, but there is a photo of me with um, the ventilator still there. Um, and yeah, it's down your throat. I, th- I think I did have it then. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you said mean, that. it's just something I've assumed. I could be I could be wrong, but I, I would put, I'd be pretty confident in saying most people that would be be on the ventilator having that sort of surgery i'll google it after this and see yeah. <laughs> now we said before that your obviously sport was a, a big was a part of your life beforehand it's been a big part since then especially in, with other transplant patients was that a motivation for you in recovering from your transplant and getting back to fitness again yeah so it's like for me the first thing i wanted to do um post off was get back in the gym i was um very into gym um that sort of lifestyle um weights and all that sort of stuff and then and of course football but for me first and foremost was um football was always the last thing I could have got into yeah it was a gym first so it was all focused for the gym and then I got back into football and yeah just the both um I can remember the day that I first went back onto a training pitch and first went back onto a football pitch post up and yeah that feeling is um it's a difficult feeling to um describe but such a great feeling to be back out and be back doing those sort of things post up and you still you're still going to the gym now regularly aren't you to okay just is that just fitness or are you looking to do maybe like powerlifting that I know a few other people have done I've had a powerlift from the podcast as well I think Megan did it um yeah so I, I i mix it up um i do like the lifting the weight side of it um i mean post op i think six months i managed to um bench 100k which i'd never done pre-op um and yeah i was very uh into that side of things but since i've started doing a lot of football it's um that's that side has taken over so fitness um i'll go in and to the gym to do uh, weights and stuff to break it up when I need a rest and running but quite a lot of my um, active side now and I'm not playing football will be running and uh, stuff like that. How long after your transplant did it take before you were playing football again now that being the last the last step? Oh so I think about four to five months I was back in the gym and I was probably back in the gym four to five to six days a week it's pretty quick time. It was compared yeah, to what I was told for a kidney. Yeah, it, it it was really quick, and the surgeons were actually a bit worried about me um, getting a hernia. Um, yeah, but um, it was just something mentally I needed. Um, it was help me um, leaps and bounds um, being in the gym and trying to get you know um, build my strength up back uh, back again um, to. A level where I'm, I was confident with my own body again and I think going to the gym and spending all that time made me a lot more comfortable on the football pitch as well. That was something I was going to ask you next to think about confidence is a massive in sport at any level and any ability never mind 
whether you've had major surgery or not, or you've had a transplant or not. How did football compare after transplant to before transplant? And were there any sort of mental barriers to playing again? Yeah, so um, I'm, I'm, I'm a very determined person. And if someone says to me, you can't do something, I'm going to do it. It's um, driving me on. And there was quite a lot of doubts, um, you know, Parents wanted me to be more careful, like, you know, oh, do you need to go back into football? Do you know what I mean? You've just been through this, you know. Um, they wanted me to go there because I know it was such a big thing, but there was also obviously being a parent that were worried about that side of things. Um, but, yeah, as soon as I was confident with myself in the gym, I knew I'd be confident, you know, that I could take the physical aspect of football. So, yeah, I was confident going back to uh, playing football. You've gone back to playing Saturday League again, which is, I'll have decide, Saturday generally higher standard than Sunday League. Yep. Have you had to adapt your game in any way to play that, given your liver transplant um, and the, the fact of where it is? I sort of tried to play as I would do without, and that's incredibly hard because I'm hardwired to protect my core, Yeah. Um, whereas I never was before. He never thought about it. Um, whereas now, say if a shot's coming straight towards me, um, you know, turning to my left, uh, protecting my right side. Um, but yeah, it's, um, I try to play as freely as possible. Um, I enjoy um, the physicality of football. Um, but yeah, I'd be lying if I said subconsciously on the pitch, I'm not always thinking about um, your core and, you know, and if you take a hit there, there's always a couple of seconds where you just, your mind runs away with it. But you know, the more you do it, the more com- com- uh, comfortable you get with it and more confident. And um, yeah, it's uh, uh, I'm quite happy with it now. I don't want to assume, but I, I would guess that the majority of transplant patients do subconsciously think about what might happen if they got some sort of direct contact in that area when they're playing sport. And that was something that I've, I still do, but did, to a, did more so mm-hmm. when I first got back to playing cricket again. And I think we'll all have our evasive actions. Like I maybe go a bit unorthodox if there's a bouncing ball and I'll go on one leg and pull one leg behind me to get my right side out of the way. Yeah. And I've heard other people say that, again, cricket as an example, again, purely because it's my sport, rather get a hit on the back and just take that than get like hit that. way kidneys. And I've got a, I have a pad over it anyway, but that's only there for confidence. I wouldn't want to get hit in that position. But yeah, it's. I think you naturally find ways to move out the way if necessary. Or hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f- are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass." So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Adapt slightly. We're well, not massive adaptations, but you're just like, spinning around on the pitch to avoid things. But Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's the unexpected impact for me. So if I'm slide tackling someone, I'm confident with going on that side, left side, because I know that that's what's going to be happening. It's the, if I get tackled and I fall awkwardly and I'm not yeah. ready for it and I'm going to fall on that side, I'll take any measures I can to, um, you know, protect protect that side, definitely. Yeah, that, yeah that's, I think, yeah, again, that's something that naturally happens, like diving for a cricket ball for, to catch or stop. If I'm going to the right, which is the side my kidney's on, I will try to twist in the air and land on my back. Yeah, yeah, I could, I could, I, yeah, I could, I could see that because... Um, I used to do um, a little bit in goal, like five aside, seven aside, and obviously before I could throw myself left side, right side, not a problem. Now I'll throw myself left side, but right side, I'm apprehensive, so you, your reactions aren't quite as yeah. know, ready to throw yourself right hand side, and it's more of a much of a structured fall rather than save the ball, worry about the fall afterwards. Um, so yeah, there is that, and um, yeah, just it, it comes with confidence because there's no reason as to why you can't. It's um, just yeah, it, it's just being protective, isn't it? And you're part of the Nottingham Transplant Football Team as well. How important has that been mentally and socially, as well as physically, to be playing football with other transplant patients? Oh, massive. Um, when I come out of um, hospital and I was looking to do this sort of thing. Um, the hospital that I'm at currently there isn't a team um, and of course I heard about uh, Nottingham and was invited to play down there and it's, it, it's been massive playing with other people that have had transplants all different types of transplants as well and knowing that we're all in the same boat when we're out there on the football pitch so that sort of um, brotherhood shall we say do you know what I mean we're all out there we've all be, had this sort of um, surgery we can all talk about um that side of things and it's just yeah it's 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 really good being around other people and socializing with other people that um can understand um the mental side of what it's like to play football post post op definitely i think from experience as well you have conversations with people who've been through similar experiences transplants that you maybe wouldn't have with other people yeah a hundred percent yeah um i have sometimes quite a uh, few conversations with lads looking to get into the transplant football from a hospital that haven't got into it like that and obviously I can um from my experiences talk them through it um and also I'm meeting people um 
through this uh, through Nottingham team like Simon, who's been there and done it, gone to world games, gone to stuff that gives you something to um, look forward for, um, you know, mm. aim aim for, um, and yeah. Um, yeah, it's been massive, and of course, everyone you meet through there is a friend for life. You can message and speak to them at any point. Yeah. And it's um, yeah, it's uh, been really big. We touched on it at the start. You you'll be going to an international competition to represent Team GB in football at the European Transplant Games in Oxford this summer. Yeah, how are you feeling ahead of that? Oh, over the moon. Um, yeah, like I said before, I just. If someone had said this to me when I was in hospital, I'd have been like, no, no chance, no chance. Um, but for it to be a reality and it to be in August, um, just gives me another thing to work to. I, I like having goals to work to, and uh, and that being in August, get fit, get ready, um, is a, another one. And like I say, the, the pride side of it, um, yeah, is going to be massive, and it is massive, and um, I can't wait. And you'll maybe, hopefully, you'll be uh, trying out for the England Transplant Football Club as well, aren't you? Yes, yes, yes. I'm looking forward to that. I can't wait for that either. Sounds like a great, um, even if you don't make the team, just the day itself sounds amazing. Um, and yeah, I'm hopeful to try and get involved in that because also that sounds absolutely amazing opportunity. So yeah, fingers crossed. By the time, well, when you're hearing this, you'll have already been. Those trials will have happened. So, fingers crossed you're in there as well. Yes, uh, hopefully. Um, uh, yeah, I'll go into my mentality with these sorts of things. My mentality is um, I give it my best. If I mm. walk away driving home and I know I've gave my best, the outcome, whether I do or don't, isn't so much of a big thing. It's if I come away not knowing I've done my best. Uh, could have give more than that's when I'll be upset at myself. But yeah, if I go to these things, give my best and see what comes out of it. If I get into great, I mean that's what I'm really hoping for. But yeah, just to go there and play with other um, transplantees and have fun and see what see what happens of it. But yeah, it's uh, looks like an amazing opportunity on paper and uh, can't wait to go there. Definitely. And with Oxford coming up this summer, are you stepping up the amount of football you're playing anymore, training more to to get ready for that? So, yeah, um, I'm looking at uh, ramping it up all the way up through to August. I mean, unfortunately, the football season's ending, but hopefully that means um, I can step up the five-a-side, seven-a-side. No, I should have more time after the 11-a-side uh, season's ended and just really work on my fitness. So I do quite a lot of um, 5Ks on the side um, and just trying to get that football fitness, which is quite hard to um, get but yeah you definitely get it from five sides seven aside so hopefully that will ramp up up till August now and you've had previous success in Oxford before haven't you with Nottingham yes that was the first ever um, sort of uh, tournament transplant tournament that I'd uh, been to down in Oxford um, I wasn't really knowing what to expect obviously I played with the Nottingham team but never played against another transplant team um, and yeah it was um Really good. There was a lot of good quality on the show. Um, lots of um, very competitive and lots of fun. And yeah, we we won it in the end. So even you know that, that was great as well. And speaking of competitive and hopefully fun, uh, it's your turn to take on the Transplants Take on Sport quiz, which everyone does at the end of the pod or towards the end of the podcast, should I say? So to remind people of how this works, 
Each week, I will ask the guest four questions based on a sport of their choosing, which in your case is, if people haven't guessed already, football. Yeah. <laughs> one which is higher question, one true or false, one what happens next, and one who am I? And the aim is to score as many points as possible, and I'll be keeping score as the podcasts go by. There have been a few fours so far, four out of four. Okay, and a few, pressure. few threes. I think there's been a two in there as well, so a, a range. You'll be, All right, that's good. you'll be in there somewhere. So, first question, which is higher Normally, this question is a bit a bit more of a stupid option than this one, but we're going to go with it anyway. So, uh, which is higher? The number of club hat-tricks scored by Cristiano Ronaldo or the total number of official titles won by the most decorated player of all time, Danny Alves? Ooh. It's got to be close, but I'm going with Cristiano Ronaldo's hat-tricks. Correct. He has scored 50 club hat-tricks, uh, 60 total hat-tricks, 50 for club 10 international ones. And Danny Alves, the most decorated player of all time, uh, has won 42 trophies. Oof, yeah, close, but yeah. What an achievement for both, eh? 50 at-tricks. It's a lot. There's <laughs> a machine. One out of one so far. Question two, true or false? Here's your statement. Liverpool midfielder James Milner only speaks to his children in Spanish. It's got to be false, that. I'm going to go False. It's true. It's true. Okay. It's true, and it's come from that has been verified by him in an interview. Okay. Uh, it's, okay. it, it's an interesting choice, I've got to say. Yeah. He said, "If I set my mind to something, I do it. I'm stubborn. Since my two children were born, I've just spoken to them in Spanish, and his wife speaks to them in English." I mean, yeah, that's uh, crazy, isn't it? But um, fair play. They grew up learning two languages, but yeah, not one I would ever have put money on. I don't know how old his kids are, but they must... Do, do they think he's Spanish? He, maybe he really is Hammers Milner. <laughs> yeah, yeah I mean, crazy. I mean, just the sort of persona you get from James Milner, I never thought he would be teaching Spanish to his kids. Um, so that's a, yeah, that's an interesting one. One out of two so far. That was... It's a, it, I think that's one of the best true or falses that's been so far. Okay, you got me. Question three, what happens next? And people may be wondering if this is the first time listening, how are you going to do what happens next on an audio-only podcast? And I will do my best to describe the scene, and then you'll get three multiple-choice options to decide which was the outcome. Previously, the what happens next clips have gone on to the social media, and now I'll try and do that if I remember, and if I can get the footage for copyright, uh, but also from now on, I'll start linking it in the show notes of the podcast. So if people want to go and watch it straight away and maybe don't want to see a spoiler on social media, that might be the way to do it. So there'll be a link in the show notes of this podcast with a link to the clip. So what happens next in the eighth minute of a League Two match between Darlington and Berry in 2006? The ball was played over the Berry defence towards the back post where their defender, Chris Brass, tries to clear the ball. But what happens next? Is it A, he attempts an overhead clearance but fails, cannoning the ball off his face and past his goalkeeper Kasper Schmeichel, making it 1-0 to Darlington? Is it B, he slips when trying to clear the ball and unintentionally kicks it towards his own goal, wrong-footing Kasper Schmeichel and making it 1-0 to Darlington? Or is it C, he completely misses an overhead clearance, falling flat on his back, allowing Darlington striker Andy Cook to score and make it 1-0? Oh, OK. Um... So it's the first option, he kicks it off himself, 
kicks it into his own face and scores an own goal. I am going to go with that one. There is just something telling me. I've seen a clip somewhere of a defender trying to clear it straight off his own face and in the back of the net. So that's going to be my answer. You've seen the clip before. It is a... Yes. uh, yes. uh, Chris Brass did kick the ball into his own face uh, and score an own goal. He also broke his nose in the process. And it's become a clip that Soccer AM and all those football football's funniest moments programs love to show over and over again. How embarrassing if that was uh, if that was caught on camera and that was you, you'd never live it down, would you? I doubt he has. I imagine every time he goes out with his friends, someone brings that clip up. Yeah, highly embarrassing and uh, unfortunate for the lad. It's caught on camera and it's, uh, yeah, like you say, now used on all the sports shows and his knees, he's going to never live that down. If you want to go and watch that clip, you can have a look at the link in the show notes of this podcast and have a laugh at somebody kicking the ball in their own face, which is, I'm not sure why, face and uh, nether regions, always funny. As a defender, I imagine that's got to be up there with the biggest nightmare that you could possibly think that you could have in a game is kicking it off your own face and in the net. I doubt it was much worse. Maybe getting megged and falling over, a bit like Boateng, but I would go with kicking it off my own face and scoring an own goal would be more embarrassing. Not ideal. Not ideal. It's, and you've got two out of three so far, taking you to the last question, which is a who am I? So how this works is you'll I'll read out four statements about a footballer. And at the end of those four statements, you can have a guess. If you're correct, great, three out of four. If not, uh, I'll then read out three extra statements and you can have a guess after each one. So you've got four guesses in total to get this. Okay. So, who am I? I was born in February 1981. So currently would be 42 years old. uh, 41 years old, sorry. Uh, I started my career at Aston Villa. I have won the Premier League and the FA Cup. And I finished my career at your beloved West Brom in 2020 after also playing for Manchester City and Everton. Who do you think that might be? It's got to be Gareth Barry, hasn't it? It is Gareth Barry. Three out of four. (laughs) He also has won 53 caps for England, scored three goals. That came came over 12 years. And he holds the record for the most appearances in the the Premier League with 653. Yeah, I think it's a... um... Sort of an underrated um, thing, isn't it? A longevity of a career and lasting as long as he has. Um, yeah, a, a decent level as well, like retiring in the championship. That's still, you know, really, really high level. So, um, yeah, what a player. And like I say, that longevity of the career. Um, not very many are going to reach that height, are they? It's a record that they're going to... I think that Premier League appearances record will struggle to be beaten. Yeah, 100%. Like I say, uh, there's only, you, you could probably na- uh, name, what, five players that have got anywhere near that sort of longevity. Um, mm. Whereas you could name many, many players that have been at the top of the game in the Premier League. But in terms of longevity, the you're looking at your, your Mark Nobles, you're looking at your, your gigs, you're looking at your Barrys, do you know what I mean? And um, the list is not long. So, um, yeah, it's uh, underrated. Definitely, definitely. He's, he will always be remembered in the Premier League for that record. Yeah, I mean, more as a Albion fan, I think uh, he will be known for us as uh, the whole taxi gate um, when he was with us. When a yeah. Few, yeah, when a few of them got drunk on a pre-season and uh, rumours were that they stole a taxi um, on the way back drunk. Um, Spanish authorities got involved and ever since that he had his own little chant about stealing a taxi I think uh, <laughs> um, 
yeah, that would be my um, biggest memory of Gareth Barry for at the Albion. I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, it was. Do you know what? It was the most out of blue thing because you, at the time we were known as quite a boring team. You know, Route One football. You you wouldn't have expected any Albion player to come out and end up in the papers for getting drunk and robbing a taxi. Um, I think it was the likes of who did we have at the time? I think Fle- we had Fletcher. I think he might have been involved, Darren Fletcher, um, Gareth Barry, and players that you just don't think would be um, involved in anything like that. But uh, yeah, made for a great chance. So. <laughs> <laughs> Another one, people to YouTube. I haven't heard it, but I'm not sure if we can say it on a podcast. There's a bit of swearing in it. I won't, I'm not going to repeat it, but um, quite a catchy tune. And um, Soccer AM, I think, ranked, ranked it the best. Um, <laughs> football chant of uh, that season so it's one to listen to but yeah not one I can repeat I know what I'm doing after this <laughs> maybe I'll give it a go one more question before we go and it's, it's been great to have you on and, and to share your experiences of football and liver transplant and the the speed at which you went through your liver transplant is unbelievable and shows how strong you've had to be to get through it one more question before we go and it's the one I ask everyone at the end of the podcast what's one piece of advice you'd give to someone facing a transplant it would be 100% give yourself time. Um, it is massive, um, giving yourself that time. And um, as hard it is, set yourself goals. Because back then, um, I had no goals because I didn't think I would uh, get to be achieving the sort of stuff that I am now. Um, but for advice for someone going through it, you can and you will. You give yourself the time and um, the, structures, the structures out there no matter what sport, uh, or if you just want to get involved socially, um, if you want to go out there and play football, you want to go do your cricket, you want to go do archery and all the wonderful sports that you you, you can do um, post-transplant is, is set their goals. Um, say that you're going to go to the games and yeah, it's uh, um, helps you to drive on post-op and get there, definitely. Well said. And if anyone would like to get involved with sports with other transplant patients, I'm sure if you ask somebody at your hospital, whether that be a consultant or somebody else around there, or somebody you know at the hospital, they'll be able to read, uh, redirect you, direct you to uh, the hospital's transplant sport team that competes in the transplant games, or search it up online. There's a transplant for sport Facebook group. Someone in there will be able to answer your question and direct you to where you need to be. Ben, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. It's been a pleasure to chat to you. Thanks for having me. Uh, if you're enjoying the podcast, please make sure you subscribe, follow wherever you normally listen, whichever app that may be. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, they are the two most used apps to listen to the podcast on. And it would mean a massive amount to me if you go on there and rate the podcast five stars on the show page. If you don't think it's five stars, fair enough, entitled to your opinion. Uh, I'd, I'd rather you told me if you thought it was one star rather than going on and slamming it on there. Uh, I can make any changes that you'd like me to do and hopefully make you enjoy this podcast more uh, and keep coming back in the future to listen also if you leave a five star review on apple podcasts they will be read out in this section of the podcast also if you'd like to go and check out my other podcast that i present uh, with stephen harrison who was the first guest on this podcast in association with the england transplant football association please go and check out the natter podcast on all major podcast platforms and hope you enjoy that that's more of a, a football-based one Thank you once again to my guest today, Ben Hastings. I've been Lewis Daniels, and you've been listening to Transplants Take on Sport. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.